Welcome to another episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. We look forward to having you join us on this journey in learning how to become leaders that lead like Jesus. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to Dale Walker on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Decision. In the decision-making process. And I, I wanted to kind of zero in on this. We'll cover a few other things since I need to kind of do a summary. But this Ephesians 5.17, do not be unwise, but understand. Everybody say understand what the will of the Lord is. And so this is a, a key part, especially if God calls you to be a leader. I, I call leadership by the Holy Spirit being the, the, the CDO, the chief discerning officer, <laughs> because your number one job is, are we following the spirit <laughs> or, or we're not? And it's not how good you can lead. It's how good you can follow. That is everything when it comes to people making a difference uh, for God. My heart, and I just kind of review a little bit, my heart in this whole class was to create a new normal you would expect to hear from God. And I heard Steve Backlund, who's going to be speaking at our church June 4th, but he he has a dog named Snoopy, and he always prayed for his church to have the Snoopy anointing. So I'm praying for you to have what, what that meant was he had this old basset hound named Snoopy, and it sleeps all the time, but it has supernatural ears. The moment someone rings, just touches the leash, in the washroom, he jumps up and runs for the door. Uh, I, I, my prayer is that we would have such a tuning into the spirit. All he has to do is whisper, and we are running. We are just tuned in, and we are fully engaged. Um, I, I wanted to speak more on prophecy, but let me just say this. There's there's a there's a few times I've said it before that you know that God will speak to you. And one of them is if you say, Lord, I sure want to encourage Sarah today. Could you just could you just give me a word? Just give me something. And he loves to answer that prayer. And we try to take prophecy out of the spooky realm and put it in the realm of divine encouragement because 90% of prophecy in the new testament is exactly that I, isaiah 54 is a kind of one life verse for me it says i will give you a word in season to those who are weary i will give you the tongue of a learned person i will give you the ability to speak a, a word that is a seasonal word that will turn someone from hopeless to hopeful and so that was one of my big goals is that you would begin to expect that and use that. Um, I love this verse in your notes, Isaiah 35, four through six. I believe it describes the prophetic ministry. So beautiful. It says, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like the deer. Isn't that a great verse? Uh, don't you want to just do that? I see someone fearful hearted back there. So God, I want to say something 
that will cause their eyes to open up how, how good you are. And uh, he answers, I, I still remember one of the hardest moments I had in ministry. And I was at a service Sunday and trying to figure out how to quit. It's hard to quit ministry. <laughs> and, well, I'm just so discouraged. And we have greet your neighbor time. And I'll never forget this. A man named John Guerrero comes up and, and he hugs me. He says something so simple. He just says, you know, basically affect Dale, that guilt condemnation you're feeling is not for me. I believe in you and I have called you. I, you know, it wasn't that it was profound, but it was a word in a moment. I broke down crying. <laughs> I got up preaching and I was just a mess, but instantly that broke that heaviness off of my heart. And I, I leaped like a deer onto the stage. So we want that to be the culture of heart for the world. We want it just to be, you can't come in this building without somebody uh, coming to encourage you. That's just our culture. And we need that. Uh, again, underlying the second review is we said the most important way we hear from God is through the scripture. So we emphasize that. And I like to just use the language how does God take the logos and make it the rhema? How does it go from the eternal, perfect word of God to a spoken word in our heart? And that was the other one of the chief goals of this is that you would read the Bible in a way that the logos becomes rhema. And of course, this verse in Joshua 1.8, um, key book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate. And, and that the word meditate, it means to ruminate, speak over and over to yourself. Uh, in it day and night, and you will observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. This was how Joshua was to conquer. And, and I just want you to see these, these four words, eyes, mind, tongue, and heart. In other words, you, you look at the word and you you imprint it upon your mind and then you say it to yourself in the most personal way you can over and over and then you wait for the holy spirit to take it to your heart and when that happens how many y'all had that happen right and just all of a sudden i shared with that time of no temptation has taken me and just suddenly even though i had known it in my head for years right when i was about to fall that came alive because I had said it, and then it became a living word in our heart. A third thing I wanted to emphasize, again, if you want to hear where God is speaking, I am convinced, as I review it, where God speaks the most is in the Bible is to reveal who he is in a particular situation. I, I, I used to know how many names for God there were, but there's, let's just put it over 100 and all of them were the same thing. People had the problem between them and God. And God says, no, when you see me, then I'll be between you and the problem. I'll switch the perspective. And so God is always, as much as anything, wanting you to see where he is in your life right now. I like to say it this way. What was one of the names of Jesus in the beginning was the... John 1, right? The Word. Why does he call himself the Word? 
because of the passion. The word became flesh. God wanted who he is to become touchable, experienceable, personal. You, you understand God is an incarnational God. And so everything he does is to make him more personal to you. Because the difference between religion and relationship is whether this is personal. Why? Because many will say, I did wonderful works. And he will say, but I never knew you. And apart from that knowing, uh, we miss everything. And so the most important way God speaks is to tell you who he is so you can know him a little better. And I... I I mentioned this, and I wanted to give you this, and we'll do a very quick rendition of this, but I wanted to give you a tool for, for later. I just call it a 10-minute tune-up or activation for hearing God. And I, I would like to, to try some version of this. And what we're going to learn about in the Emotional Healthy Spirituality class is the fact that um, the Bible talks, you know, the the mystics, we call it a daily office. Why? They're just saying, uh, it, they call it work to rest. You know, the Bible says there is a rest, but it's work to rest. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's actually easier to stress, but it's work to rest. And so when it says, be still and know that I am God, that's easier said than done, right? But it's saying the key to know that he is God is to be still. And that will determine how much you hear from God, how many times your soul, my soul is silent, my heart is waiting, speak to me. Um, and if you just have little exercises, and you can do the hundred, but here's an example of an exercise. I call it number one, I would just start with, uh, ask God to remind you or affirm where you saw him somewhere at work during your day. This just helps you tune in that God is working all the time. And I think, uh, so you could just put there, right, thanks, because you were there today. And I found that often spurs you to sense him more presently when you say, God, uh, I was about to lose my temper. And I called it you, and a peace came over me. God, you were working while I was driving. Thank you, God. All right. That just starts to tune you in. Number two is basically ask your question. The key to great answers is great questions. The only difference between people who hear from God a lot and those who hear little is the questions they ask or don't ask. They don't include God in so many things when he wants to be in everything. Um, so ask him to, once you give him your attention, was there something you were trying to speak to me about this today through that problem I went through, that obstacle I faced, that opportunity that came my way, that person, you know, one of the things that you'll, you'll start to, when you get good at hearing God, you will start to notice things differently i don't even know how to say it but you'll be watching a tv show and you'll hear a, a word that someone will say and it'll you'll know that word has just been highlighted and you don't even know why yet wow. but you just make note of it and god was speaking or you meet this person 
and you're in a room with a lot of people and all of a sudden you just keep noticing that person. Why am I just noticing that person? And, and most people just stop right there versus saying, God, why am I noticing that person? <laughs> Is there something you're saying? Am I supposed to be praying for that person? God, I, I had pain today. Not just, oh, darn, I had pain today. But was there something you were speaking in that? Or I had joy. What did you mean for that? And so then this is where you, you know, why I feel like journaling is so important or do it on your phone or something, because you want to be ready to write it down. Finally, um, just, just takes time to be still and just listen. And in that time, say, Lord, I acknowledge you. You're speaking to me in this. What do you want me to say? And then expect him to. So let's just do that real quick, since this is a, an activation. Um, if you have your paper, number one, what was something today that you, you had a sense God was involved in that you were thankful for? Can you think of one thing? Just write it down. Uh, okay, Holy Spirit, give them illumination, right? <laughs> Again, it can be so small. It doesn't have to be anything big, but it was like, hmm, wow, thank you, God. That was that was. You were there and there. Um, so then secondly, Lord, what, what was something you were trying to say to me today through either that blessing, through a problem, through an obstacle? Was there anything that you were, that you were saying to me? And obviously, if we could just have more time and, and play some music, we might have to wait sometime. It's okay. It, it doesn't all, often come right away. But how do we hear from God? We've been teaching on it. Maybe a verse comes to our mind. Maybe a gentle whisper. Maybe a picture or vision. Uh, maybe it's in our imagination. Uh, maybe it is just a deep sense of peace of his presence. So, Lord, if there was some way that you were speaking to me about that, um, and again, it could be correction, it could be blessing, whatever, Lord, I hear you, I hear you. And then, Lord, what do you want me to do? How could I gain wisdom from this? Just whatever question comes to your mind. Is there some way that you wanted me to learn something, to change something, to grow? Uh, I'm just asking you. Lord, I want to hear from you so much. And let's just, Lord... Let me just affirm how I recognized you in that situation. You were the gentle father. You were the wonderful counselor. You were the Lord who heals me. You were the deliverer. You were my shalom. You were my peace. You were my wisdom. You were my sanctification. You were my loving father correcting me. You are my, my wisdom in this situation. Thank you for being that, Lord. And now, just for one minute, we just be still before the Lord and say, Lord, your servant is listening. Is there something more that you want to say to me about that right now? We just wait. Well, today's remaining time was just talking about decisions. Anybody making decisions right now? <laughs> and this is, is huge. Because uh, your decisions are your destiny, right? So this is such a critical thing. 
And first of all, uh, there are so many promises. Let's just look at some of these. James 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, can you say that would be me? All right, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. In other words, God says, you've never asked me a dumb question. You can't ask me a dumb question. Uh, the only thing that makes me sad is when you don't ask. <laughs> uh, it will be given to him. I like these Proverbs. Commit your works and activities to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Many are the plans in the heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. I like that. That's kind of how the Lord speaks often. He says, you've got all of this kind of going on in you, and there's stuff floating out. And as you just submerge yourself into the Lord, what the Lord's purpose is going to come to the top. And have you ever had that happen where it's just, I'm just there, but now I'm in the Lord. And, oh, oh, okay. That's it. The mind of a person plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So those are some tremendous uh, promises. Now, at the same time, obviously, the enemy will try to get us to every way off track. Uh, we saw that with Jesus, half God said, and there is not any lack of attack on decision-making. Can I, can, I, can I ask, has anyone ever struggled during a decision-making time <laughs> and uh, lost some sleep and so forth? And because the enemy knows he is the author of confusion. <laughs> and if he can keep you confused, he can keep you ineffective. And uh, so here's some examples of how we open doors to the enemy by being feeling driven, impulsive, and impatient. I know none of you ever do that, <laughs> but just uh, reacting and uh, making decisions, saying yes too quick. <laughs> Uh, I would just be curious. I find in every crowd, there's kind of two people on the balance. You know, there's the Peter who goes way too fast. <laughs> and then there are other people who never make a decision. I mean, where, where do you go in those two sides? You know, And usually they marry each other and it's really weird. Anyhow, uh, number two is anger. When you're angry, tired, or hungry. <laughs> And, and I just thought it was so interesting when Elijah was depressed, the Lord said, take a nap and eat some good food. <laughs> That's my spiritual word to you. You want to tell me about 7,000 prophets? I just want you to take a nap and eat some. Uh, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. By being ignorant of God's word, so we don't detect a lie if we don't know the truth, you know, as you've heard said many times when they're teaching people to recognize counterfeit money, they don't give counterfeit money, they give money. And you become so familiar with that money that the moment a counterfeit comes, it's exposed. And the more familiar you are with God's truth, the harder it is for the devil to send a counterfeit uh, through you. Um, People's pressure, self-doubt, and this is the one I, I struggle with most, so we're going to talk the most about it. Fear, self-doubt, being passive, or not owning the responsibility. And, and I'll just add, being, being too driven by people and their opinions, rather than 
strong to speak and stand in what God wants you to do. So I, I think the reason I want to point that one out is that it actually is one of the things that the Bible talks the most about when it comes to decision-making. It mentions it over and over to be bold in faith. Attach faith to your decisions. So look at James 1.6. We just read James 1.5, ask for wisdom. And it says, but let him ask in faith, you can circle, in faith, <laughs> with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I think that goes for women too. Um, I love the verse, First Kings 18, 21. I think the Lord has spoken this to me before. How long will you halt between two opinions? <laughs> you know, get in, get out, get out of the way. Come on. Uh, something. So here is the warning. Um, when we choose to be wishy-washy, when we choose to let fear get involved and doubt, we really do open a door for confusion, for the enemy to so chaos. Um, many of us need to go to the very root and just ask Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, why am I afraid to make a decision? And so often it'll be things like, I hate disappointing people. <laughs> I would rather someone else make the decision. It wasn't my fault. They did it, you know. And that is exactly the opposite of leadership or impacting for God. And if I'm going to say one thing once, I'll say it 10 times, far better to make a wrong decision by faith than no decision because of fear and double-mindedness. Because God can correct you much better when the bicycle's moving than when you're just stuck waiting to figure out where you need to go. And, and so one of the things I want you to trust the Lord in uh, again, my mentor, Wayne Myers, he, he just said this, God told him this when he started the ministry. He said, Dale, if your motives are pure, if you examine your heart and your motives are, are really pure and you make a decision by faith, the Lord will move heaven and earth. <laughs> he'll, he'll put angels on starvation rations to provide for your mistake, whatever he has to do, because he won't let you fall, and he wants to teach you to be courageous. And, and I believe that. What does it mean to have pure motives? Let's just review that real quick. James uh, 3.16 gives us the, that list. Uh, I don't think I put it in here, but um, it says the wisdom of God is, I know, pure. Let's see, pure peaceable, it's easy to entreat, it's full of, of, of mercy, and it is not hypocritical, and it doesn't show favorites. I just love that because that's sort of like a motive list. So if you look at making a decision and you say, hey, is, is my motive pure? Is my aim to bring peace? 
am I reasonable? Am I willing to listen to my life team? Or am I bulldogging this one? Am I uh, a hypocrite in what I'm doing? And if you say, no, my heart's pure, I'm honest, be bold. <laughs> You're on your way. Um, here, here's something I put here, I believe. You, you see it with uh, the 10 spies. They never sat around and decided, I think we'll just disobey and rebel against God. But what did they do? They didn't decide until they heard people's opinions. And because they had it in their heart, took responsibility, they ended up out of passiveness, disobeying God and ruining their lives. I think a lot more people ruin their lives out of the no response going along with it than do because they made a wild, crazy decision uh, that they were trying to make. Mostly it's, we just go along with others. We go with the crowd. We go with that kind of thing. So how do we, how do we make decisions by faith? Number one, I believe it starts with right believing. We've been saying this over and over, but faith is believing the right things. And it's not, it's choosing not to believe the wrong things. You can't make good decisions if you're believing lies. <laughs> if you believe lies, then you have no faith. And if you have no faith, you can't hear from God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so get your beliefs right. Here's some obvious examples of bad beliefs. <laughs> I'm a terrible decision maker. <laughs> okay. Why? Because the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So those two don't go together, right? God rarely speaks. I just can't imagine he would ever speak to me. No, he's always speaking to you. I'm afraid to make decisions. I will probably get it wrong. Um, Decision-making is too hard for me. Uh, I stumble at it. I'm not smart. I don't know. Can anyone else think of another lie that someone might believe? <laughs> you, you probably used them all, so you probably should. <laughs> so what do you do? First, I really believe you just begin to have a different attitude sort of yourself. One, I have pure motives. When I choose, I'm choosing for the good of everyone and for the glory of God. I have the mind of Christ. God promises me wisdom. If I lack it, he gives me wisdom. Now, this is where it's really interesting, you know, like when you're, when you're married and stuff, because you say, well, you know, we're going to argue about this one. And you have to get good beliefs about that with your spouse. We believe together that though we may start with very different opinions, we are one in the spirit and God will bring us unity. You know, you, you got to really get that good foundation of faith. And uh, one of the reasons is sometimes those decisions will be very clear. Sometimes God will make, have you make decisions by faith. Uh, I can tell you on more than one occasion, I thought that my mind didn't understand the decision I was making, but God was telling me to go through that door, but he wasn't telling me to go through that door because that's where I was supposed to be. But when I went through that door, I found the next door to go through that door and three more doors 
uh, how did I get to Las Cruces? I decided I would become a missionary and let go of my church in El Paso and, and see how I could go to the Philippines. And then as I got close to that, God said, no, I brought you out because I want you to raise up a church that goes to the nation. But I wouldn't have got to that decision if I hadn't got that decision. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. So that's, but it takes faith because I couldn't connect the dots, you know, with my own mind. Why am I going to the Philippines or not going? But I knew that by faith, I needed to make that uh, decision from the Lord. So let's just talk about this passivity. And what happens is trying to be stuck is what he says, do not be double-minded. And I, I think of a double-minded guy as someone up to bat baseball and he can't decide whether to swing or to, to, to watch it. And he, and he goes like that and he misses everything. You know, either go for the fences or go for the walk, but don't sort of swing. You know, have a, he want, God wants you to have clarity. He wants you not to move through life always anxious about the decision you made. When you make the best decision, he wants you to just trust him. He wants you just to say, God, I, I made it. And I don't know about you, but I've rarely been 90% sure. It's usually about 60 to 70%. <laughs> but God, you're, you're God. And I'm making this by faith. And I thank you that you're directing my steps. And it, it brings peace. Like I say, it's almost like, I said, it's almost like you made that decision and you're wondering about the package, but you get the tracking number. Oh, okay. That's done. I'm going to forget about that. That decision is over. And, and I'm going to move on in peace. I like what this verse in Acts 11, 12, when Peter was told to go to Cornelius's house in, in Acts chapter, uh, he was, uh, he had that dream and he had never gone into Gentile's home and he believed they were unclean. And, and the Lord showed him a vision and all of that. And then the Lord gave him a confirmation. Three men from Cornelius's house show up at the door right then. And I love what it says. It says that uh, Peter, the spirit told him to go with them, doubting nothing, <laughs> doubting nothing. Now, it's interesting, later we see in, in Galatians 2, uh, verse 11, Peter, in a similar situation, is about to eat with some Gentiles and notices some Judaizers who would criticize him, and he gets double-minded, and he doesn't go and eat with the Gentiles, and Peter rebukes him, you know? What happened? He became double-minded. Yes, Lord, I know that you told me to be, eat with Gentiles, but... Now, uh, immediately he ended up in disobedience because of wishy-washiness and fear. I love this phrase in Romans 4, 21, Abraham was fully convinced. Isn't that a good, that's how God wants you to live, fully convinced. I am fully convinced. So how do you do this? And I believe, okay, let me get this. Romans 14 is a tremendous verse about this too, because he talks about what he calls disputable matters. Not everything in the Bible is black and white. In fact, the whole Romans 14 says you can have two people who both hear from God and come to totally different conclusions about what they're supposed to do. In this case about eating food. In other places, it says about observing Sabbath day. Should you worship on Saturday or Sunday? 
And every time the instruction isn't they're right, you're wrong. The instruction is whatever is not of faith is sin. So you and your heart have to decide what do you believe God says and wants you to do. And then you've got to just bless other people to decide what they're going to decide. But you decide in your heart what the Lord wants you to do. Um, so I believe the key thing is, is to have a process. And we can talk a, a lot about different processes. And it depends on how big the decision is. But if I, 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 if I could ask you to do anything, I would say, if you're making any life-changing decision, sometimes the how you make decision is even more than the what decision it is. Because if you have a consistent scriptural way of making a decision, you'll get it right a lot more. In other words, you don't make life-changing decisions, church-wide decision, just based on an impulse, even though that could be the Lord but you still have a process. And so just let me give you some possible things. I think our, our process, obviously the first and biggest thing is pray. I didn't put that in there, but that's, that's certainly the undergirding everything. Um, I have here some general, general principles. The bigger the, the bigger the risk, the more confirmations you should expect. Uh, I, God is very gracious. You know, it says in, 2 Corinthians 13, 1, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. In other words, God will confirm his word. And the moment you feel like this total pressure, I got to decide everything now, 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 now. Oftentimes, that's the enemy. That is a spirit of compulsion. And it's creating fear in you. And very rarely does God ask you to take a big decision uh, in a short time. Um, why is always important. The other thing, I always try to get a big picture. So I say, Lord, why? What, what is my purpose? What have you shown me my purpose before I go into the specific decision? Uh, who are we as a family supposed to be? What have you told me about my, my call, my church? Be very clear. I like to say it this way. If you see the goal line, you're less likely to go out of bounds. You know, you're seeing where you're supposed to be and, and you're far more likely to stay in a, in a good path. And sometimes we miss the, you know, the trees for the forest. We get so overwhelmed by all that's going on here. And, and often God says, go back to what I've shown you. So for example, I, I carry this around with me and, I, I highly recommend something, you know, I'm still transitioning to being a digital person, but here's 42 prophetic words I've gotten in my life that I think were sort of the most profound. Now, why do I keep them right there? When I make a big decision somewhere, I'm, God's already spoken about that. And it fits within the puzzle. If I get a word that's just like, that is completely left field, you know, then very likely I'm, I'm misunderstanding or the timing of something else. What I do with those words is I put them on the shelf. I write them down. <laughs> and if they come back again, I look for where the puzzle pieces might uh, come together. Um, recognize, is this a personal decision or a corporate decision? So obviously, 
the people that are involved in this decision need to be considered. So again, if it's just a family, you're going to pray with your spouse. If it's the church, for example, just a leadership point, if I'm going to make a decision about the worship team, I don't, you know, like Moses coming down from the mountain and say, worship team, I'll just, I'll say, we're going to, he said, let's talk. And then it's just, here, can I introduce this idea to you? In other words, let's make the decision together and, and not a top-down decision, because I believe God honors that humility and the mouth of two or three witnesses. Now, there are times when you have to make a call, especially when half of the people think this and half of the people think that. Okay, here we go. You know. But but the fact that you at least included, you at least included the people that are most involved is a, a way of honoring them. So this is pretty obvious, but I think it's just worth saying. So for example, in the book of Acts, when they decided to let Gentiles be saved without circumcision, they shared that several times. They went to a big council meeting and I love the language. This is how, how our board operates here. It says, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden uh, in Acts 13, it says, as they ministered, the Holy Spirit said, separate to be Barnabas and Saul. I mean, to me, it's important that Barnabas and Saul had already heard the Lord tell them they were going to be missions. But rather than just leave, they submitted it to their covering in that church they were a part of. And they gave a chance for the Lord to speak corporately by the Holy Spirit. So, for example, at our board meeting, uh, it's a month thing. The first month I say, here are the things we're going to pray about. We'll talk about this, and, but we're not going to make a decision today. We're going to make a decision next month after we've had more time to pray and fast and process and get more of it. So there's a process involved in that. Here, here's a six steps uh, I just throw out to you uh, after you've kind of prayed about it, clarify your options, uh, put pros and cons. That's, I didn't leave that. I meant to put there, but put pros and cons. So, for example, right now, I'm praying. I'm saying, Lord, you're bringing revival, and we only have so many seats in this church. <laughs> and these seats are being filled. And so, what should we do to them with them? You know, how are we going to make this work within this time frame and this thing? So I've been writing options and writing pros and cons at every different service time and everything. And, you know, why doesn't the Lord just say, boo, 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 boo? well, because it's part of growing in maturity. When you're a baby, your parents tell you everything. <laughs> but as you mature, you're more of a partner. So that's how the Lord, why the Lord doesn't tell you what to order at Wendy's or whatever. He's wanting you to grow up. And that involves a process. And, and so then you put that option A, option B, option C, whatever it is, and then pros and cons. And so you do that, and then you share it with people, and you keep praying. Um, number two, then you reflect. And that's where you, you're really asking God questions. I, I, I mentioned these two. One is the scriptures. You just reflect on the scripture. Is there anything in the word that addresses this kind of situation. What scriptures would apply here? And you find all of those and, and collect them. And as I already mentioned, what has God spoken to me in the past? And, 
And then you're also asking, is this a confirmation of something God already told me? <laughs> you know, I mean, just, I don't know if I shared this. It was just such an interesting thing to me because I kept feeling of the Lord to really focus on getting notes and stuff that I've researched for 40 years and beginning to try to put them in a digital format and, and uh, prayed about that. I just felt that I go to this conference in Reading and this young couple that never met me in their life. I just say, pray for me. They said, okay, can I give you a prophetic word? The Lord told me something. And they said, immediately, I saw these files and files and the Lord says, if you don't do something with those, this will be tragic loss in the kingdom. And I see God's creating a library. I said, okay, there's, there's a confirmation of something that God is saying. Um, and, and then as you ask what stories relate to this, I, I believe when God is doing something big in your life, there'll be stories, there'll be visions, there'll be dreams, uh, there'll be things that happen. One of the questions people ask is about fleeces, you know, from the story of Gideon, where Gideon was called to fight the army and he, he put out a fleece of wolf's wool skin and said, Lord, let it be dry tomorrow at the dew. And then it was dry. Lord, now let it be wet tomorrow. You know? and, and, you know, it's possible to do that out of wrong motives. But I also believe there is nothing wrong with asking the Lord for confirmation. Uh, for example, when Isaac's servant went to find a, a wife and found Rebecca, he, he asked specific things, Lord, let her say this when I say this. And it happened. So, and Moses was told to go ahead and throw down his staff and turn it into a snake. That was a confirmation. Uh, there are so many examples of this, the cloud, the size of a man's hand. Um, God does not mind us asking for confirmations. And, and then ask for input from the people that God has called to speak into your life. I call it, I really believe God has a, a life team for you. And, and that is at least three to five people that you really feel are supposed to be that deep in your life because they're godly, they care about you. And they have taken the journey with you a little bit. And really, their, their, their confirmation is so important. And I, I would really like to encourage you to pray about that. Do you have a life team of people who would really pray and would be fully given permission to say, you know, warning, warning, or whatever that word is? Again, the verse 2 Corinthians 13, 1, by the mouth of two or three witnesses. And I think that's an incredible, even with the Urim and the Thummim, there was always a double. There's always a word and a confirming word in a big word. Um, just what I mentioned, Jan, I thought it was a good quote in your paper. You were just talking about what, how did you say that? I, I guess you were talking about it in your marriage, one yes and one no. How, say it, just say it. I thought that was a good way to say it. Okay. And then, and, or it's a wait or a, once you come to a place of a decision, then attach faith to it because you will be attacked. You will 
uh, you will just at some point say, did I make a right? Why did I need to? Whatever it is. But you, you, you know when you're not going to look back because you've, you've done it, good conscience, you've, you've gone through the process, and then you say, God has led us. We're just, you know, you, someone asks, well, is there ever a time you, God wants you to change your mind? And, and I would just be very slow because it's easy to go back to wishy-washy. But I would just say this, if there's good reason to reconsider your decision, make sure you go back through a process. Don't just say, I changed my mind. <laughs> Start the whole process over step by step. And if it lines up after that, you know, then you might uh, consider that. I believe with all my heart that the Lord wants us to be bold. And the fact that we become confident Bold decision makers actually in the long run will cause us to make far fewer mistakes and have it right many more times. That beautiful balance that says, uh, I'm not going to be rushed to make this decision and I'm not going to be paralyzed. And that piece that says, I made that by faith. Devil, don't mess with me. I'm <laughs> in Jesus' name. I, I'm going forward uh in and confident um well why don't we just uh want to pray for you just sort of an impartation on this uh ministry of hearing and in particular i had wanted to pray a prayer for uh just for that prophetic impartation for you to begin to more boldly give words of encouragement and feel that you're able to do that, you know, when it comes to growing, as I said, when I was new in it, I would have to wait till the Lord gave me a prophetic word. But as I stepped out of faith today, I can absolutely know most of this, but, but there's almost not a situation if someone asks for prayer that I couldn't give a prophetic word. So you grow in these things. Um, and, and so that's why I want to pray faith to take some steps that this become a bigger I think, you know, so let's just stand and I'm just pray over you. Come Holy Spirit. I think of Numbers 11, how the Spirit came upon the 70 and they began to prophesy. God, I just thank you for these dear friends. And I pray with all the boldness in me that you impart to them the gift of prophecy and encouragement that they will see visions, dream dreams, sense scriptures, be moved on the inside by divine impulse, have a deep inner knowing of how God sees people and feels about people, and a gift of faith to open their mouth and trust you to fill it. Whether it's through written words, spoken words, they will begin to move in power in this area. I pray, Lord, it'll combine with deeper intercession. They will feel people's pain. They will sense people's inside. They'll sense them, the dreams that that person has. They'll just be like a Geiger counter. It'll all go off inside of them. They'll just sense God's on this person. And they'll be able to call those things which are unseen as though they were. I bless this in your family. I bless this in the church. I declare over you 
You will become the most encouraging people in this church. You will go to such a level of encouragement that you will hardly be able to open your mouth without some word. I speak Isaiah 54. The Lord is giving you the tongue of the learned to have a word in season for those who are weary. He will not let your words fall to the ground, but he will give you grace. Through your words, grace will be imparted unto life. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, and the lame will leap like a deer. I speak and pray this over you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Pastor Dale Walker's Leadership Podcast. Please stay tuned for future episodes and remember to follow us on all our social media platforms. You can find more information about our courses, events, and other leadership resources on our website at hftw.church. May God bless you and have a great day.